89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio. You're in community conversation with Clayton. I want to give you a text line number. First of all, any of our guests tonight, you can text through a question for them. 0428 899 899. During this time of COVID, we are very much uh, keen to be able to have you uh, chatting to as many people as we can and also uh, really pleased to be able to talk to so many. And tonight we want to focus on a different area of the world. Over in the UK, we know that uh, the coronavirus is just impacting uh, so much more than here in Australia with the amount of people who are getting impacted and affected as well as the deaths. And uh, I know obviously for a lot of Australians, we're quite connected to those in the UK. One man who has been on this radio uh, for many, many years before he moved over there is Sheridan Voisey and he joins me on the line right now from Oxford over in the UK. G'day, Sheridan. Hey, Clayton. Good to talk to you, mate. It's wonderful having a chat to you. We're uh, the, the beauties of Scott being able to have a chat so freely. How about that, huh? really is. You know, I feel like I'm right there back in the studio with you. <laughs> Very nice indeed. Sheridan, um, you are based over in Oxford. Um, maybe before, you know, we, we want to get into some of the, the, the part today and part of you know, the way that you're actually uh, looking at life over these past few years has been through your writing and your speaking and the various radio gigs you've got over in the UK, looking at, at, at a God element of what is occurring in life. And we, we do want to talk about that. But uh, firstly, maybe just take us through what is life like for you right now? Um, and maybe update us with some of the, the stats and the figures of what's occurring in the UK and, and your personal experience. Yeah, you know, I I really envy Australia. I would love to be back. I mean, the UK has really been hit so heavily with COVID-19. So, um, you know, we mourn the loss of every single person, including the 120 odd people that you've had lost in Australia to the to the coronavirus. Uh, we are averaging that now every day here mm, in the UK. We are now over 44,000 deaths due to coronavirus. Uh, and there's lots of different reasons for that. Um, part of it is that, you know, uh, you compare the two countries, Australia is very, very large with, what, 24, 25 million people scattered throughout it. So lots of space, lots of space between buildings and people. Uh, here you've got this tiny little island. It would probably fit into, I don't know, New South Wales maybe, uh, and it's 66 million people. So you've got a lot more people crammed into uh, a very small space uh, and it's just been harder. Also, it's been very hard to, um, I guess, so easily control borders because there's so much free flow of uh, of people from uh, here to Europe and, and vice versa. Uh, even on a daily basis, people just do jet across to, you can be in Paris within, you know, a few hours yeah. from London. So there's those kinds of things as well. Um, and no doubt a whole heap of other factors as well. But, you know, it's been huge. So almost everybody knows somebody who has been affected. Either they've had the virus or they have had somebody nearly lost to the virus uh, or they have lost somebody to the virus. In uh, our case, um, Marin and I have been fine, absolutely, which has been wonderful. But uh, we've had one person in our church who was right on the edge. He was prayed back into life, really, uh, through the coronavirus experience that he had. But we've also had one of our pastors who lost his father to that. Now, that's just two of many people that we've had affected. So, yeah, it's it's a completely different experience over here. Yeah, and I know that uh, you mentioned Mary and your your wife. She's um, deeply involved in in some of the work of trying to uh, help as many people uh, that are affected by the coronavirus too. 
Yeah, very much. Um, so she's been involved in the vaccine trial here in uh, in Oxford. So there's very a lot of people who are working around the clock. I mean, we're talking weekends upon weekends for the last four months uh, to get a vaccine going that will actually work. Uh, now, there's various vaccine trials going on around the world. Looks like the Oxford one is kind of, you know, it's moving ahead rapidly. Um, but, you know, there are so many people working behind the scenes trying to get a solution to this. Um, so, you know, as a slight tangent, Clayton, I have to kind of laugh a little bit when I sometimes hear these uh, coronavirus conspiracy stories go around that <laughs> there's nothing really to worry about. And it's all, a, you know, it's all a a, a big kind of fictitious, uh, you know, fake pandemic, etc. Oh, boy, you would not know the amount of people that are working to try and get a, a, a vaccine on this who could be doing a lot of other things with their time. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the mood over in the UK, just generally, you know, we, we see snippets of it here. And, you know, if I sort of think of the UK going through all of what's happening with COVID, I, I think of you know, it was um, sort of at the start, it felt like it wasn't taken all that seriously by the Prime Minister. Then he himself ended up um, with it and, and then, you know, made it through and then took it a bit more seriously. Then it seems like there's been a bit of confusion about do we stay two metres apart and one metre apart? And Is that... Now, that's just what we're seeing here in, in Australia with some of the media. Is is that sort of been what it's felt like over in the UK too, that there seems to have been some mixed messages that are occurring or, or is that a bit clearer for you? Uh, probably a bit of both. So no doubt, you know, every country only reports a certain amount of time of what's going on in another country's uh, political yep. experience. So I've got to keep that in mind when I'm thinking about the American experience, because sometimes I look at that and I go, oh, my goodness, what's going on? <laughs> but um, no, the, the fact that it's been such an unprecedented experience means that uh, people have been trying to... Uh, almost make it up as, as they go. Uh, they have been trying to focus on the science, but of course the science has been evolving as much as the virus has, and so has the response to it. Uh, in some cases, I think, um, you know, Prime Minister Boris Johnson was a little relaxed on it to, uh, at the beginning. Uh, then it got very serious and he realised he really needed to get down, hunker down and focus very clearly. So I remember one particular press conference where he was kind of rambling and all around the place and it was responded so poorly that the very next uh, day, the next uh, press briefing that he gave was completely scripted and it was two camera and he had an auto cue. And I think that's where, you know, we really need to have that kind of degree of clarity. Um, look, there is already, as there will be, there is criticism about the, some of the policies that were put in place. I think in general, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to have um, a more uh, I guess generous approach to how they've gone about things. They have tried to do what the best that they thought possible at the time. And looking back, hindsight is a wonderful gift, isn't it? Looking back, you might say could have gone into lockdown earlier or whatever. At the time, they were trying to think also about the social psychology of bringing lockdown in early. How long would people be able to? Uh, to, to keep it up, um, how long would people do it without re uh, rebelling against it, those kinds of things. Um, but all in all, I think they've tried to do the best they can. That's that's my best reading of it. 
And in terms of uh, the way uh, that the you know average person in the UK is sort of responding to it, you, you mentioned about Australia, and I think probably if I was to try and summarise, I think all of us would be saying, well, we're, we're taking it pretty seriously. We're, we're doing the things that we are, but we're also at the same breath constantly saying, oh, my goodness, we're so glad we're living in Australia. Oh, my goodness, we're so glad we're living in Australia. We, we, are, we are understanding how much better it is here. Um, are the spirits of, of those in the UK um, doing well? Is it upbeat? Is it a bit worrisome? Is it a bit hunkering down and we're not quite sure if we're going to get through this? Uh, how are the spirits of the people generally? There's been some really interesting research about anxiety levels recently. And on in general, as you can understand, most people have notched up uh, the bell curve, if you like, in terms of anxiety. They are feeling more anxious than they ever have before. For some people, um, they're feeling anxious for the very first time. Um, for other people, they're kind of cruising through okay. Interestingly enough, the research is showing that people of faith are coping much better when it comes to responding to the anxiety levels. So that's that's great to see. I think you'll find that different people have got different experiences. Um, even talking amongst my neighbours, I will talk to one person who's not too too worried in general for their own family, but they are worried about the economy. So, I mean, just uh, uh, I think in the span of two days this week, we had 12,000 jobs lost. The next day after that, we had another company uh, suggest that they were going to let go of another 1,900 people. And that is on top of weeks of other companies saying that they're going to have to let go of 5,000 people at a time, 6,000 people at a time. Airbus is letting go of so many people. Um, already we had a bit of an economic crunch happening here uh, because of the uncertainties around Brexit. Uh, so we've we've had kind of crisis upon crisis in many ways. And I think that is causing anxiety for some people. But then speak to another one of my neighbours across the road here and her anxiety has really been for her grown-up children who are both in the medical field. Um, one's a nurse, one's a doctor, if I remember correctly. Both of them working in London, which of course has been you know, a real kind of center for the virus. And as frontline workers, they are more than anybody else particularly exposed. So her concern has been for her, her children. So I think it's affecting at numerous levels. We're going to see a significant recession hit here. Um, and so I think, sadly to say, I think I think in some cases the problem is really only beginning. There is going to be uh, a recession. They're saying that maybe we haven't even seen a recession like this since the 1920s, 1930s. Um, there's going to be significant unemployment. And, of course, that's going to put a strain on everything. So there's some dark clouds dark clouds still uh, yeah. gathering on the horizon, I think. My special guest uh, from the UK, but originally from Australia, is Sheridan Boise. We're having a chat to him about uh, all of what is occurring on the other side of our, the world. We're going to talk a bit more about, as Sheridan said, uh, people of faith seem to be uh, from an anxiety level coping. What's his take on that? And also God at work, even in the midst of COVID over in the UK. More with Sheridan next. You can text her a question for him as well, 0428 899 899, that's 0428. 899, 899. In conversation with Clayton.
89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio. It is so good to have your company. You can text through at any stage tonight, 0428 899 899 for any of our guests to ask them a question. We're currently talking to Sheridan Voisey, an Aussie who's been living over in the UK for a number of years now, uh, based out of Oxford. And uh, we're talking tonight about uh, some of the work that Sheridan sort of does generally, but specifically uh, in regards to COVID. Now, Sheridan, how would you actually describe yourself? You know, if I'm describing you, I think I'd sort of be saying someone who's uh, looking at how God interacts with us in different ways and you speak and you write, and, but I'm sure you have a pithier way to describe what you do. <laughs> you know, just recently, I have been thinking that through quite a bit, um, kind of thinking, well, how do I bring under one umbrella the work that I do on the BBC over here, which is where, yes, I'm very much I'm, I'm, I'm commenting on life from a spiritual perspective, but then also the devotionals that I write and the books that I write and those kinds of things. Um, and the best way I can come kind of to, to kind of wrap it up is that, well, personally, I'm a, I'm a pilgrim in search of wisdom and wonder. So that's my personal little mission statement. I love to find wisdom. I love to find wonder and pass it on. But really, when it comes to people, what I really try to help people do is to live deeply meaningful lives. And that really comes down to four things for, for my understanding uh, of it, uh, having a deep spirituality, because it all starts within. Positive thinking is not enough. Personal development is not enough. We need to have the life of God in us. So it starts with personal spirituality. Um, recycling adversity, that's one of the big things that's been a theme of my work for the last few years. How do we see the trials of life turned around, redeemed, if you like, recycled into, into something good? Uh, personal vocation, that we each discover what our calling in life is. And that, of course, can actually be different from season to season. And it can be very general as well as very specific. Uh, and also deep human connection. And in particular, my next project is going to be on friendship. How do we really go deep with other people? And I think those four elements are really the makings of a, of a deep, meaningful life. And so I feel that that's my calling, really, is to try and connect those four things together with people. Well, which is why we've got you on. And we're going to be uh, asking a few of those questions to hopefully connect some of that for us and uh, give us some experience of God at work. But before we do, someone texting through on 0428 899 899. Uh, this is what they say. Hey, Sheridan and Clayton, great to have my two favourite announcers on at the same time. Hey, that's all right, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I like them already. I do, I do. Uh, I'm assuming as an author, you're used to working from home, but have you found the impact from COVID-19, Sheridan, has had a personal impact on your ability to continue your level of motivation and self-initiation? And that was from Linda. What a great question. So I am, I think, partly because I was an only child for the first 13 years of my life. And then my one and only sibling, my brother, came along. I'm quite okay with solitude and working alone. Um, I hate open plan offices. <laughs> they are the, they are hell to me, whereas <laughs> I really quite like working in a, in a room and being able to focus and hunker down. Having said that... Uh, even those introverts among us still need to get out amongst people and we need to get out into the big wide world. And so I am really wrestling with not being able to go and work from a cafe one day, work from a local library another day, you know, to actually get out there. Merrin and I yesterday, uh, the very nature of life here in Oxford is that a car is uh, a bit of an encumbrance. So we don't own a car. We hire a car whenever we want to kind of go out somewhere. We hired a car yesterday and we went for a drive in the countryside. And, oh, it was just so good to actually get out because 
for many, many months, we've not been able to get out. Um, in fact, for a period of time, we were only allowed out for a, an hour a day uh, to get essential exercise. Mm. So, you know, it, it's it's been quite difficult. So it's a bit of both. I'm okay with the solitude, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get out there and see the rest of the world. And look, Linda, if this was one of those uh, shows where we're giving prizes away, you would have got it because, you know, you butted us up perfectly at the time. But we're not giving <laughs> prizes, but you can ask Sheridan another question, 0428. 899-899. Sheridan, let's um, talk about this idea of, you know, in the midst of all of this, and as you described, you know, the work that you are doing and how you're looking at that, um, you know, how have you seen God actually at work, especially during this time of COVID in the UK? It's been, again, some interesting statistics come out of the UK scene. So, we have seen like this, these kind of little gradual, it's nothing major, but little gradual incremental increases in some of those key markers that you might think of when it comes to spirituality. So Tear Fund, this is a Christian charity over here, did a survey, and they found that a quarter of UK adults had watched or listened to a religious service since lockdown. Now, it's either on the radio or live on TV or on demand or something streamed. Um, that's actually quite significant for a very secular post-Christian country like the United Kingdom. They found one in 20 adults, so 5% of the population, had watched or listened to a religious service uh, when they had not done before. The, so these are non-churchgoers that are engaging in uh, listening to a uh, maybe it might be a cathedral service on the BBC or something along those lines. Similarly, they've seen a similar increase in people reporting to pray as well. Uh, I don't know whether you came across, Clayton, a few weeks ago, there was a report that came out of the University of Copenhagen that saw that uh, Google searches for prayer had just suddenly gone up through the roof in March and April. Wow. And... Yeah, absolutely huge. And, and even in, in secular European countries like Sweden and other places. Now, you know, when you drill into that, it'd be interesting to know how many of that is, is Christians wanting prayer resources or whatever. But it seemed to be, from what they could were putting together, that it was general secular secular people who were suddenly finding themselves with an interest in, in praying. I have seen that personally. I put together a little practice called the breath prayer. And I put it up on my blog. And it was something that I just wrote for myself, actually, late last year. And then, you know, when COVID hit, I thought, you know what, this might be helpful for other people. So I published it online. It's been one of those very few things, Clayton, that I've put on my blog that's almost gone viral. There's been a lot of interest in it. So if you want to, it's called the breath prayer. It's just a very simple uh, kind of prayer practice, really, that you can just do. And it's just kind of helping us to call upon God to get the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of those virtues that we need for this present moment. Now, the interesting thing with comparing these increases in prayer and those kinds of things um, is then to compare it with another bit of research I saw just this last couple of days about meditation. Uh, just like the Australian situation in the UK, there's, you know, if, if there's going to be an interest in spirituality, it'll be much more at the secular level. So it might be mindfulness practices, or it might be indeed meditation. And so some research was done on meditation, how many people are meditating more as a result of the stresses of COVID-19. Now, the interesting thing was that 
there's hardly any change at all. Maybe one mm. percent, which statistically just isn't isn't important. One uh, percent difference, and it was basically offset with with kind of the number of people that were meditating anyway. So I find that fascinating. We don't have a huge increase in secular spiritual practices, but we do have an increase in Christian spiritual practices. So. Who knows where God is in with all of that? It certainly is showing some sort of growth and some sort of reaching out because I think what's happening for us here in the UK, no doubt in Australia, but maybe more for us here in Europe where the effects of COVID are just so, so much bigger, is that all of our all of our foundations are being taken away. Um, our jobs are being taken away, maybe our health, our security, everything else that we kind of take for granted when we're going on with life as normal, it's being taken away, and maybe a whole bunch of people are saying, "I need something more than this now." Yeah, um, as you've talked about prayer, you know, a number of times over the years as well, and, and during this time, as you, you talk about this breath prayer as well, um, in terms of people connecting in with that, have you ever had a, a better way to encourage someone? You know, I, I love the fact that this radio station has people who. Uh, say, look, I, I'm a Christian. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I, you know, absolutely, that's who who I am. And others who say, look, I, you know, I, I'm I'm not really into that right now. But maybe I mean, maybe I'm wanting to explore a bit of that for somebody who's maybe thinking, yeah, during this time, I, I'd like to start just trying to see what this prayer thing is and connecting with God. It, is there a best way you think someone could start, Sheridan? Well, I've been thinking about that recently because. I think it helps if you have kind of some railway tracks to just roll along for a little bit, because it's one thing to be able to, you know, somebody like me comes along and says, oh, there's a God who loves you and he wants to communicate with you and hear from you and speak to you and all of that. And you say, okay, well, great. What do I do? I sit in my room and enchant or <laughs> what do I do? Say hi. Well, that's a good start. But actually, that's where something like the breath prayer is quite helpful. I mean, I can read a couple of lines oh, uh, of to you. Yes, yes yeah, just so you get a bit of an idea. So the, the idea of the breath prayer is that you, you've got two lines and you kind of breathe in on the first line as you're praying it and you breathe out on the second line. So you kind of you know, pray the first line in, one, two, three, and then the second line as you're breathing out, one, two, three. And so I took some words that uh, St. Paul in the New Testament kind of writes in one of his letters, and he talks about how when we ask him, God can fill us with his spirit. So he comes to live within us, uh, and he can fill us with his spirit, and, and his Holy Spirit brings things like love and joy and peace and patience, uh, rather than us have to kind of muster them up ourselves. And right now, we could all do with a bit more love, joy, peace, and the rest. So this breath prayer, I'll just read a couple of lines. So you pray, Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive your love. Breathe in, one, two, three. And I release my insecurity. Out, two, three. I receive your joy. And I release my unhappiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your kindness and release my indifference. Do you see that's just a few lines of that breath prayer. It's just something that somebody else has written to help you to pray. And I think that could be a, a good way to start in. Find something that's already been written by somebody else that you can not just read it out loud and somehow think that by throwing those words in the air, it somehow 
makes a difference. <laughs> but you take those words and you say, I'm going to make them mine and I'm going to give them to God and I'm going to ask them uh, of God. That can be a good way to start. Yeah. If someone's wanting to track that down, Sheridan, what's the website for your blog there? Uh, yeah, SheridanBoise.com. And so you'll find it, if you go to blog, uh, you'll find it, I think it's the second post down or something. So SheridanVoise.com. Otherwise, just uh, probably you'd be able to uh, just Google Sheridan Voisey breath prayer and it'll come up. Wonderful. We're going to be back uh, talking a bit more around uh, how we're seeing God at work during this time of COVID. Uh, you can text through your question as well for Sheridan. 0428 899 899 here on 89.9 The Light. In Conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, this is In Conversation with Clayton, but it's In Community Conversation. You can text through your questions right now on 0428 899 899 for Sheridan Voisey uh, over in the UK, uh, based out of Oxford, uh, an Aussie who has been there now for a number of years. Uh, Sheridan, uh, as we've been talking about, you've, you, you focus on seeing what God is doing and helping people understand a bit more about what God is doing as well. Uh, talk to us a bit more about this idea of people actually seeming to reach out for an understanding of Jesus and of God, maybe a bit more during this time of COVID. Yeah, there's been another uh, report come out of the Evangelical Alliance uh, over here, which I think looks after or kind of speaks for about 2 million Christians over here in the United Kingdom. So it's quite significant. And they surveyed about 900 churches, and they found that 60% of them had seen a marked increase in the number of people who were interested in finding out more about the Christian faith in these last few weeks. Uh, they also found that 70% of church leaders had reported more people who wouldn't normally attend church that were attending their online services during lockdown. So, uh, and 90% of those churches were uh, providing support for vulnerable people and people in the community and sometimes uh, frontline workers and things like that. So, you know, your your big question that kind of is the umbrella to our conversation tonight about you know, what God's doing in the UK, I guess you can say there's two things. What is God doing in the world? And it seems to be, you know, taking away our crutches and prompting some spiritual interest for, for some people. Um, but secondly, also uh, what he's doing within the church too. And I think uh, we're going to see lots of big <laughs> big changes in the church for the, the coming coming decades, I think, as a result of, of COVID-19. So to see that you know, 60% of churches are seeing a, a, an increase in people kind of looking to do, maybe it might be an online version of the Alpha course, which is quite popular, uh, or something like that. It's, it's really quite remarkable. I think we're going to see a lot more online church activities from this point on. We, we will never go back to only having just an in-person gathering on a Sunday. Most churches will have uh, some degree of online presence after this. So you can imagine all those people, and there's been a, a significant number over here who have been thinking for years really about digital theology. What what does a digital church look like? Can it really be church? All of those kinds of things. Um, it's, their, it's their moment in the sun now. <laughs> they're, uh, they're becoming kind of the, the spokespeople for what's really going to be a new normal over here. Yeah. Um, look, we've had a whole host of people on this program as well over the, the last few months uh, talking about um, the, the coronavirus and, and from a spiritual perspective. 
Um, you're, you know, online, you're, you're, you're been connected well for many, many years with a whole host of people connecting into you and asking various questions to Sheridan. Has that question come up around, um, is this, you know, or I suppose how do you answer that question? Is this God allowing this, doing this? Um, is he forcing us to try and look at life in different ways? Um, you know, a whole lot of people have been espousing different reasons, in inverted commas, why this coronavirus is around. From a spiritual perspective, how have you answered some of those? I love Philip Yancey's response to to that. He says, actually, the Bible has very little to say about the why of these things. Um, it doesn't often say. There, there are occasions, of course, throughout the Old Testament when maybe there was a famine and, you know, it was revealed that, yes, God had brought the famine so that people would turn away. Normally, by the way, the, the godly people, the, the Christian people, if you want, the, the, the church people, uh, not so much the, the general population, but it was there so that Israel, God's people, would repent. Um, and in other cases, we have very specific mentions where God you know, does cause these kinds of things to get a response of some kind. But in many ways, you know, you don't know the why. You don't know the why is this happening. You don't know, you know, why has God caused it at this particular time, all those things. Instead of asking the why, the, the next question to ask is the what now. Uh, that's where the emphasis really generally lies in Scripture is that, okay, here we have uh, in the Old Testament, it might have been a famine. What, what are we to do? Is there anything that we are to um, to ask for forgiveness for? Do differently? Do we have to look differently at our approach to the poor or whatever it might be? Uh, and I think the same thing in something like coronavirus. Um, I don't think anybody can definitively go and say that God has, you know, brought this unto the world and, uh, you know, he's doing it for a particular purpose. I do believe that God is... The, you know, the theological word is sovereign. You know, so he is in somehow in charge of it all, even if he allows a certain degree of freedom for these things to happen. Ultimately, uh, the coronavirus is a, it is a biological reality that started somewhere and is detrimental to human beings. And we have had those kinds of things happen uh, throughout history. And I don't know if every single one of them you could, you know, trace back to the finger of God and say it's had a specific purpose. I, I you know, people have written PhDs on this clay. So I'm kind of summarizing <laughs> this all fairly briefly. But the, but the, the response is now, what, what do we do? What's yeah. been interesting to me is to see the number of newspaper editorials that have been kind of coming out saying, do we have what it takes to look after each other in this moment? So I think it's certainly a test of our virtue. Uh, are we going to be people who aren't selfish, who do wear a mask for the sake of other people? Masks probably don't stop you getting coronavirus all that much, but it certainly helps you to not pass it on. And you may have it and may be able to pass it on without knowing it. Will we wear a mask for the sake of other people? That is a virtue question. So for me, Clayton, that all just becomes a fascinating discussion in itself. We keep on having these wonderful technological advances in our society. We have new science, we have new technologies, we have new medicines, we have new vaccines. But those age-old questions of morality never go away. Will I love my neighbor as myself? Will I put myself out in the kind of height of lockdown over here? Would I abide by that only one hour of outside yeah. exercise <laughs> per day? Would I do that or would I 
rebel against that. Same thing now with people congregating in large groups. Will I stay away from that for the sake of other people, not just for my own sake, for the sake of the elderly and for those that are most vulnerable? So all of those things are deeply spiritual questions. And I don't know about God specifically causing coronavirus, but I know that in those situations, uh, we are called to to step up. And that's where we, I believe, you know, we need a, a strength and a power and a, a, a giver of virtue and character that is beyond ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's one of those moments, isn't it, that all of the things that you described were quite practical in nature. They're the actual outplay of what our daily lives are during this time. Um, And yet uh, you connected that very much to our our spiritual energy, in a sense, and I'm not meaning sort of auras and that sort of thing, but the the, the inner of the actual, will I actually give of myself for someone else? Will I, will I actually put someone else ahead of myself? It's, um, it's remarkable how, you know, so often we try and separate this spiritual in one bucket and, and the actual practicals in the other, but, but they are joined. I mean, that's part of the message of what this station's about is that, that life is joined together very much in the spiritual in, in what we're doing. Absolutely. You've so got it right. And that goes back to kind of some Greek thinking that separated, you know, the body from the soul and the soul was good and the body wasn't good. Um, That kind of seeped into Christian thinking at some stage. And, you know, I think we're doing a lot better at unpicking that. But no, those two are are integrally related, uh, what we believe. And indeed, as you're saying, you know, the spiritual energy, you know, the Holy Spirit's God's working in us. Uh, outworks into very practical things. It outworks into my words. It outworks into service, help, rest. It outworks into specific behaviors. So, you know, the the classic line, uh, you know, about doing and being, oh, you know, I'm a human doing and what I really need to do is be a human being. Even that I don't think really hits it because uh, in our very being, we are doing something, even if it's just being quiet in a room and breathing. So, all of our doing, all of our being are integrally related. Yeah. We're going to be back with Sheridan in a couple of minutes' time as we keep hearing and hearing some of his reflections uh, during this time. Uh, I don't know about you, but every single time that I ever uh, get that chance to hear Sheridan, I walk away just pondering more, wondering more, uh, hoping to impact this world in a better way and hoping to deepen my love with God as well. More with Sheridan on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is In Community Conversation with Clayton. Sheridan Voisey from the UK is my special guest at the moment. We're talking about God at work around the world uh, during COVID. Uh, you can text through any question you'd like for any of our guests tonight. 0428 899 A little earlier on, Sheridan, you did talk about um, friendship as one of those things within this sort of whole bucket of uh, what actually being spiritual during this time is and, and, you know, how do we look at what friendship really is? I, I know that's something for you that's been um, something that's been grabbing your attention. It really has. In fact, you know, if we want to use the word calling, it feels like a new calling for me. Mm. You know, this kind of idea that maybe God is calling us to a new project for a particular season. Well, this feels like the result of kind of two years of praying, okay, God, what do you what do you want me to do next? And this feels like it for me. I've only just recently come to this discovery, I think. But friendship is, I would suggest, our most neglected topic in our culture. Um, when things go wrong, when our marriage breaks down or our family breaks up or our business goes belly up, it's to our friends that we turn. But you think about the number of songs on the playlist on the average, you know, 
uh, phone or something. Uh, how many of them are talking about friendship versus how many of them are talking about romance? We have in many ways sidelined friendship and yet friendship is, I would suggest, maybe even the most significant relationship that we can have. And we are having at the moment research come out of the United Kingdom, the United States and Australia that loneliness levels are higher than they've ever been before. Uh, that very few people, the research that I read out of Australia recently was that um, one in three are not part of a friendship group. Here in the United Kingdom, we have uh, one in 10 that don't have a close friend, another one in 10 that don't have a friend at all. We've got huge loneliness rates to the point where this was the first country to appoint an MP for loneliness. Can you believe that? <laughs> and in the United States, I think it's 35% of population over the age of 45 um, are also feeling chronically lonely. So. You know, there's a lot for us to tackle there. And I think that actually it's radio stations like like The Light that are, uh, I think, probably part of God's kind of calling to provide a solution to that. Because out of all radio stations in Melbourne, it is going to be a sense of uh, bonding and camaraderie that people get, that listeners get from a radio station like Light. I would believe that that's not just simply because of the wonderful hosts, but also because of God's spirit working through those wonderful yep. hosts yeah. to connect people. Uh, but then we need to move that to in the room, in person kind of connections. So uh, that's that's my new passion. And uh, yeah, I'll be talking about that a lot, I think, in the next year or so. It's really interesting. That's the focus, uh, I suppose, especially during a time of COVID where what we would traditionally call as friendship of people hanging out together <laughs> um, rather than communicating. You know, maybe I might send a text to my best mate or I might give him a call, but um, what I would call as real friendship is if we caught up, if we, that's not really there. So interesting place to really right. be starting from in that discussion and, and the thinking of that too. And, and I wonder, as we talked right back at the start, that church is looking at friendship in a different way, that, um, uh, sorry, church is looking at, at online and, you know, where it is in, in a digital space is going to be different ways. How do we move past the, you know, the, the 160 characters that we might see as digital friendship to, to a more uh, serious friendship in that space as well? Is that part of your thinking too, Sheridan? Very much. I think a lot of us have got acquaintances rather than friends. And in some of our cases, maybe the people that we have thought were friends are actually people that um, either we're just giving out to, so it's actually more of a helping relationship, mm. or indeed, if we're going to be honest, maybe it's the other way around. They're the ones that are always there for us, uh, but maybe we're not there as much for them. William Rawlins at the University of Ohio has kind of dedicated four decades of his life to this whole topic. And, you know, he, he's got all the technical language, being an academic, you know, he's got all the technical language about what, what a friendship is and it's mutuality and it's a preferred relationship and all of this. But actually what's been interesting is what people have told him a friend is over four decades. And he brings it down to three things. A friend is someone I can talk to, someone I can depend on, and someone I enjoy. Now that makes a lot of sense to me. There might be some people that we enjoy, but can we depend on them? Uh, there might be some people we can talk to, but to what level can we talk to them? I would argue that the, the deeper the, the talk and the deeper the conversation we can have with them, uh, then the deeper the friendship. The more we can rely on them and them on us, the deeper the relationship. Mm. And, you know, that enjoyment, it might be some sort of shared hobby or just a, a similar sense of humour that kind of bonds us together in the first place. That's almost the starting point. But you kind of need the other two elements as well. So I I think that's a good good start in terms of kind of defining 
to what degree do I have friends like that? And to what degree am I being a friend like that who offers those things? What a great place to finish as well as we think through those things. Uh, Sheridan, we so appreciate your time, giving an hour of your time to to talk to us about uh, God at work in the, in the UK, uh, to challenge us around friendship and spirituality as well. It is always a pleasure having you on, mate. Thank you so much. I always love our conversations, Clayton, anytime.